Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Last Factor Podcast. What is up, lacrosse fans? You're watching another episode of the Lax Factor Podcast, and today we're going to use the new format. The new format is we are going to check an item of news, just a quick hit item of news. We are going to get a little bit into pro lacrosse, and we're going to get a little bit into college lacrosse. And every podcast through the rest of the the summer into the fall, which there will be about three or four of them, uh, that's the format we'll use. We'll go a little bit longer form in terms of the base podcast, and then we'll probably put out clips that cover each of the three segments that we do. Before I get into it more, if you want to support us, uh, we're going to have a new way and a new pitch. Instead of doing the whole ad and all that crap in the beginning of this, we're just going to say, if you'd like to support our efforts, support the channel, support the podcast, simply go to laxfactor.com or you can go to laxfactor.com forward slash support and it will give you a bunch of quick options on how you can support the podcast, support the channel and help us you know, get to the point where we can put out more content more of the time. Uh, But I digress. I wanted to get into the quick hit news item first, and that is Syracuse is going to play at SUNY Albany for the first time in 2020. It's been a one-sided rivalry, not only in the fact that Syracuse is 16-2, and I believe it is, over the course of this rivalry. They've played every year since 2004, but they've played every year Uh, since 2004 at the Carrier Dome and typically very early in the season, which made sense that Albany would want to get a guaranteed game early where there was no chance it was going to get canceled due to the weather despite their turf field, and Syracuse had the Dome uh, to allow them to accomplish that. So, as I said, they played every year since 2004. Cuse has a 16-2 advantage, so it's very lopsided in that way, although it's been a lot closer recently, and it was a little, it was closer in terms of the, the output and the, the final scores of the games for quite a while now. Albany picked up their first win against Syracuse in 2013 off a Miles Thompson goal assisted by Brother Lyle, and they juiced the orange again in 2018, uh, beating up on Cuse in the Dome in 2018, and it was a a brutal beating in Connor Field's senior year where Albany came in and just put it on the orange. Uh, Syracuse couldn't score, and Albany just kept scoring over and over. And then Syracuse returned the favor last season. Fields graduates. They're hurting. Their numbers, you know, their, the quality in their rosters down a little bit, and they're having problems with uh, Nanakoke, and Syracuse came back and beat them badly in 2019 in the Dome. So that's good. But uh, to now play the first game at UAlbany, um, you know, and actually play it on their campus, that's a huge deal. And I, I feel like it's really important uh, for this rivalry. Besides the Dome, I love watching Syracuse play at Cornell. I go to the Syracuse-Cornell game as, as often as I can, typically every other year, and I'll miss a year here and there. But c- watching Syracuse and Cornell play at Cornell is incredible, partly because the Cornell field, it's it's one of the best fields to watch a lacrosse game, even though you sit back a little far in the stadium, but they've got kind of an old Coliseum-like designed stadium. You can watch the sunset in the distance as you're 
as you're watching the game. Just a beautiful place to watch a game. And then Syracuse also, you know, plays at Colgate every other year also. So they already have in-state rivalries with teams where they do travel and they play every other uh, edition of the game at that place's um, uh, field, uh, you know, at their at their place. And it, it only makes sense that they would do this with Albany, especially as Albany's picked up in profile. Um, the game's traditionally been p- played in February. This year's edition will be played in April 3rd. That makes sense. Let's make sure that the weather's cleared up a little bit. And Casey Stadium in itself is a great venue. I played there before it was Casey Stadium, back when it was just a grass field and they were still D2. And uh, I played for CUCA that year, uh, 1996, and we actually beat Albany at their place. So that was cool. But I've you know I've gotten to play there, but it wasn't Casey Stadium and it wasn't nearly as cool as it is now. And Albany's, they've had success in packing that stadium full and playing uh, big teams. They've played Maryland there. They've played Yale there. They've played North Carolina there, Cornell. All, those are the most notable teams that they played there on top of just beating up on their America East schedule at home. But the Maryland, Yale, and North Carolina games, those were really big games, and highly anticipated games, and the turnout was incredible. So when uh, Cuse comes to town, guaranteed sellout at Casey Stadium. Standing room only. There's going to be people standing around the fences and, and things of that sort, but that's going to be huge, and Casey Stadium will be on fire through all of those uh, all, all of those through all of the rivalry games that they end up playing there. It's going to be a, a pretty big deal. Now, uh, in the next segment, we want to get into the PLL. PLL had a big weekend, huge weekend for the PLL in reality. Every team that needed to win in order to have a shot at the playoffs, they did so. It was pretty, you know, overall it was pretty exciting because you have four teams that were play. You know, I guess I shouldn't say four teams. There was you had two or three teams that were jostling, three teams jostling for that final playoff spot or for you know some sort of meaning in where they were sitting uh, through the weekend. And all four teams that needed to kind of win to get in did so. Uh, but the the big the biggest part of this weekend was it was played at U Albany. You know, we we're just talking about Casey Stadium, and it was played at Casey Stadium, and a bunch of U Albany alums on uh, on the roster for the chaos. So that was pretty huge. And then on top of it, also, and I thought this was interesting, just in terms of the weekend play, Kavanaugh and Schreiber each uh, stuck two point buzzer beaters at the end of the half to to end the halves of each of their games. So that's a pretty big deal. We had, you know, and, and one of them, I believe it tied the game up. I'm thinking it. And, and then in Schreiber's case, I think it may have given them a, a two goal lead going into the half. I'm not sure exactly, but as we look at the games, the Friday night or the Saturday night game was really the U Albany reunion. Uh, guys like Connor Fields and McClancy and Ray and and Thompson, they all got to come back home and play for the chaos at Albany. So it was pretty much a home game for the chaos, the, the way the crowd worked out. Uh, Atlas, they needed to win this game and they needed to you know play into the margin a little bit to even have a shot at the playoffs. They end up doing that. The Atlas ends up winning this game 12-9 over the chaos. The Atlas actually had the toughest path this weekend to get into the playoffs, but still got the win over the chaos, one of the best teams in the PLL. So that was a pretty big deal. Another oddity in that game, Thompson, Ray, and McClancy all scored in this game prior to fields, and the crowd was pumped to see them score. They were pumped to get to score on their old home turf. You could just see it in the smiles. Thompson tore it up. I think Thompson actually had a hat trick possibly before fields got his first goal, and fields didn't get his first goal until two minutes inside with under two minutes left in the fourth quarter. And that gave the chaos or that got the chaos to within 11, nine, but it was all for not as they end up losing 12, nine. But I found that funny in the homecoming Connor fields did not tear it up. Tucker Durkin played very tough against Connor fields all game long. 
it uh, was reminiscent uh, to me of the way that Yale played Fields, insanely physical, beat the hell out of him every chance they got, and every time he touched the ball, just slap checks and you know, pretty much straight up, just brutalize brutal, brutal slashes. Uh, but it works, you know, when, when you're trying to deter a player like fields, you've got to beat him up a little bit, get on his hands, get on his arms, the hands, part of the arm folks. That's just how it works at this level. Uh, so I thought that I thought Durkin and company played him very similar to the way that Yale played him in his senior year, uh, both in the Ivy league, um, uh, tournament and then the playoffs. So I thought that was interesting. And then another uh, note was Concanon. Alex Concanon, he played out of his mind to help Atlas get this win. Without his efforts, Atlas, they don't get this win at all. Uh, another must win was the Redwoods. I think the Redwoods scenario was winning their in. Um, and they end up playing the Chrome. So they've got pretty pretty easy path to victory there. They got smoked last weekend. So you know everyone was like, hey, what Redwoods team are we going to get? And it was close through the first half. The Chrome came out tough. The Chrome came out and actually got a lead. And I think it was a 4-2 lead prior to giving up a five or six goal run to end up giving the lead back to the Redwoods for good. Uh, crazy situation with Queener. Queener gets an eight, I believe it was eight minutes worth of penalties for cross-checking the shit out of Hennenberg, Jules Hennenberg, in the neck, broke his stick over Hennenberg's neck. So that was pretty brutal. And then two other guys got in a skirmish after, and they both got five plus penalty minutes. I want to say six. I want to say the two guys that got in a skirmish after uh, got six minutes each and, um, and Queener got eight, something like that. But it was, it was a boatload of penalty minutes that were handed out. And I heard a lot of people say with a, a cross check is it wasn't just the cross check. He cross checked Hennenberg in the neck. It looked pretty blatantly, um, uh, like he was done kind of on purpose, like, hey, I'm going to cross-check the shit out of this guy in his face. And and then he kind of stood over him a little bit. In slow motion, it looks a lot worse than it did in fast motion. But it was a cross-check, run through this guy, break my stick on his neck, drop my shit, and then kind of stand over him with my legs draped across him, like standing over top of Hennenberg as he just laid there nearly lifeless. So it was a pretty brutal check in real speed. It might not have been as bad, and I don't know what Queener's intentions were. Queener's a good dude, so I don't think he's trying to kill Hennenberg. Just play, just trying to make a big play and be physical. But moral of the story, people were mad that Queener didn't get ejected. They did watch the replay, and they decided not to eject him. But shit, man, eight penalty minutes? That's a lot of penalty minutes. And uh, that kind of... I don't know. I don't know what it did in the end because it, you know, it didn't result in any huge uh, swing or anything like that. But that was interesting, and a lot of people were mad that he wasn't ejected. But they did bury them in the box for quite a while. And again, it was all for nothing. Redwoods they go on to smoke them and clinch their playoff spot uh, thanks to the large point differential, uh, you know, which put the pressure on everybody else. Garnsey was the story of this game beyond that cross check. Garnsey goes four goals, three assists. He had a one-handed. Goal and a one-handed assist. The one-handed assist came first where he was kind of driving down the right alley and was getting hung up, just tossed a one-handed pass across his body, and that was pretty sweet. And I think that was Kavanaugh that caught that, and Kavanaugh actually caught it caught it backhanded because it was a little off and then buried it backhanded as well with his left, I believe, on that opposite side. So that was pretty cool. And then he was driving down that same alley off the wing, and he scored a one-goal uh, one-handed goal, very similar to the one-handed uh, assist that he had. And another good key point in that game, it ended up being 18-7, uh, Redwood smoked the chrome, but another cool thing in that game was Kavanaugh returned the favor, uh, got a little bit of revenge for Hennenberg, and he planted Queener. It actually, in full fast motion, it looked like he fucking planted him 
badly. In slow-mo, you could see that Queener kind of got up in the air a little bit, and then Kavanaugh kind of ran through him. But it was a sweet hit, and it was redemption. You know, a teammate getting redemption for a a cheap shot on Hennenberg. So I thought that was cool as well. I didn't even put the final score in here, but uh, the Whip Snakes and the Archers played, and the Archers needed to simply win and get in. They did. Uh, And the Archers actually came out 4-1 4-1 lead. Whips went on a six-goal run. They led 7-4 at the end of the half. And I actually, the Whips took over, and I thought the game was over to the point where I almost st- stopped watching to a degree. I, I was watching from a distance, I should say. We had a fire in the backyard, and I was watching it from a distance. And then the Archers, um, they go on, the, the Whips went almost 23 minutes without a goal. During that time, the Archers go on a five-goal streak and ended up taking a two-goal lead. And then the Whips broke that streak, making it 9-8 with a hair over four minutes left. And uh, Will Manny scored on a six uh, on a, a sick skip feed from Schreiber, and that was actually a sick pass where Schreiber finds Manny on the opposite side of the field. That gives the um, Archers a two goal lead with three thirty nine left, and then uh, Schreiber took advantage of a whiff by a pressing pull. The uh, the whip uh, the whips were trying to pressure Schreiber out top uh, just to you know try to force a turnover, and they were trying uh, the pole tried to jump a pass. Schreiber catches it and then streaks. Pretty much has a you know five on four coming back down that that uh, from the top actually and he ends up you know running through the the shorty that tried to come pick him up and then scored a goal to put it away and uh, a lot of credit goes to Drew Adams he played a ridiculous second half which helped in that comeback bid for the archers and that got them into the playoffs now let me open up this little thing here so we can rip through the stupid seeds of course, my tablet's going to give me issues here as I try to open this uh, Instagram link is what I'm going to do. Open it in Chrome, and here we go. So playoff spots are set. We have the Whip Snakes getting the two seed and the Chaos getting the one seed. So they're going to play each other, and I think what they're calling the championship bracket. And then we've got the losers bracket is what I would call it already. The three seed would be the Archers, and the four seed would be the Redwood. So how this works is the, the winner of the game one, the winner of the Chaos and the Whip Snakes game, they advance to the championship game. And it's that simple. You win, you're in the championship. The loser of that first, I guess we'll call it not even really a semifinal, uh, but the loser of that game one, the championship bracket, they go on to play the winner of game two. And game two being the Archers and the Redwoods, and then those teams play to get into the championship. So for the for both of them, pretty much for the whips, you know, for whoever loses that first game and whoever wins the uh, second game, they've got to you know pretty much play two games to get into the championship. Whereas the winner of the championship bracket gets right in. So not a bad idea. You know, you lose to the number one seed as the number two seed. So that that's the idea here. Instead of instead of setting it up so one plays four, um, they're setting it up so the top two teams get to play each other to decide who gets into the championship and then the number two or, you know, whatever team loses that top game, they get another chance at still getting into the championship. So what you end up having here is not a scenario in which the four seed could upset the one. And then you have like, you know, the two crappier seeds because you could feasibly end up with the three and the four seed playing in the championship by that logic. And that's not a bad thing to have happen, but this gives the top two teams the best chance of getting into the championship. So it gives you a very good chance that you end up with the best teams in this league playing it out for the championship. And I think that's important, especially just because of when you're dealing with a six team league, that's not a bad way to go. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see though, because no other pro lacrosse league does this very few, any, any other um, 
professional sports in America run their playoff structure this way. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out as well. And uh, no real news from the MLL this weekend, simply because I didn't watch it. Once again, I, as I say, I am kind of you all in the sense that if you are one of those people that is trying to get into pro lacrosse and just hasn't been able to make it click yet, that's me. And I'm not even going to fake it. I'm, uh, I'm not uh, officially the media, so I don't have to fake it for the most part. I didn't go this weekend. I had applied for a press pass for the Albany game. I got denied because we are also a retail outlet, but they did offer me free tickets. So I'm also pleased with the PLL for offering me free tickets and I didn't even take advantage of it, but I thank them for that courtesy and I will definitely take advantage of that in the future. So they kind of won my attention um, this week, but it was a, it was actually a very exciting week of lacrosse. It was legitimately worthy of talking about the way that they had a lot of teams with things on the line to get in. All of those teams got wins. So right down to the very last game, you were watching and you were wondering, hey, how's this going to shake out? I'm not going to pretend I cared all that much, but it was it made it far more interesting and it was just an extra storyline that they hadn't had in earlier weeks. Another incredible thing worth talking about, and it was an awesome moment for the, for the league and they're going to use this to market. Um, they have the helmets. They have guys mic'd in their helmets. So after a goal, they are talking to Trevor Baptiste as he's getting ready to take the next face off, they're talking to him in his helmet and he's, they're asking him, Hey, what's going on so far? You guys have been pretty evened up. And uh, they said, what are you going to do to try to change your strategy? And he's talking to him. And as he's talking to them, he eventually says, Oh, I got to go because he's literally getting ready to go down and take the face off. He gets down to take the face off immediately pinches, pushes, wins the draw clean and runs down, scores a goal. And they're immediately right back in his ear again. And they said to him something to the effect of, hey, what'd you do differently on that one? And he said something hilarious to the effect of, um, uh, it's that speed, boy, or something like that. Whatever it was, it was fucking incredible. It was hilarious. Baptiste himself is just a great all-around guy, and he is going to be a huge ambassador for the PLL. He's going to prove... He's going to have proven his worth, and he's going to prove worthy of them putting him in that situation as being one of the faces of the league, and they're they're in his helmet a lot. They're constantly giving him sideline interviews, so he's going to prove he was worthy there, but this was a special moment, and I know that they're going to use this to push um, – push the league more and, 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 and rightfully so it was, it was cool. You got to watch it. And I mean, if you just go to the PLL's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or whatever, they have a video up on it. So you can actually uh, see that clip. And if I, if I feel brave enough to, to risk getting this video demonetized, maybe I'll play it for you right now. He's got a lot of weight. So it's, it's uh, both ways. It's hard to push us off. I got to go. <laughs> I gotta go, Brendan. We're gonna stick with him here on this face-off. Well, he made quick work of him that time. <laughs> what do you want, boy? You really did have to go somewhere, huh? Yeah. What was the difference on that one between the other ones? Nice speed, boy. And if you heard the clip or saw the clip, that means I played it. If I didn't, it means I decided to cut that out. So that'll be it'll be interesting to see what I decide. Did I decide to add the clip or did I, did I decide to leave it out? We don't know. And the next thing I wanted to talk about, and this is one segment we're going to do through the rest of this, where I want to talk about guys who need to step up big for their teams in 2020. So we're ditching pro lacrosse now, and now we're going to get into the college game here a little bit. And a team I hadn't done yet, and I wanted to do this team specifically, was I wanted to cover Penn State. 
So I'm going to do a full preview of Penn State, but I really just wanted to kind of quickly talk about what's Penn State dealing with here coming into 2020 and who are a couple of guys that actually have to step up big time uh, to either prove themselves or to just make, you know step up big for their team. And as we talk about Penn State, offensively, they return a lot. And, and they return in terms of attack, they, they return their attack and they're going to be good. They get Grant Amet back. But Grant Amet, he's the... He doesn't need to prove anything. He came out and proved that he was one of the best players in the country. One, you know, maybe the second best player in the country. Certainly, top five on everybody's book, and I put him at top three in almost everybody's book. And I argue coming into this season, he may be the best player in the country. But there's some guys like Chris Gray and Michael Sowers and and um, Jeff T that might you know try to say, hey, what about me? And and I'd say yes, you they're they're in the same league as Grant Amen. Grant Amen is just perfect for the system that he plays in. But he needs to have another huge year because he wants to win the Twarton and he wants his team to have a, a an equally successful season as they did last year. It's going to be tough though, because while they do return nearly everybody on the offensive side of the ball, defensively they lose a lot, but we'll get into that in a little bit. They really only lose Nick Spillane, and Spillane was a huge contributor on this team, a, a huge team leader, but that's the main offensive firepower they lose. But they return Mac O'Keefe, who was Amen's wingman. They return Amen, and like every like like they did last year, they're going to tear the country apart, I suspect. Uh, but other guys that are coming back are going to be equally as needed. So here are guys that need to step up to give Penn State a shot. We already know O'Keefe and Amet uh, are going to have huge seasons. Both of them need to not necessarily step up, but they need to re rinse and repeat. They need to do it again. A guy who really has to step up, and I don't think it's going to be a problem for him at all, Dylan Folds. He was a 55-plus point scorer from last year. He's back. He'll be leaned upon heavily uh, in his senior season uh, of 2020 to, uh, to help kind of make up for the loss of Spillane. More than capable, though. The kid is an incredible, incredible lacrosse player. And then another guy that's going to have to step up, a younger guy, Jack Kelly, 51-point scorer from last year. He's going to have – I think it's going to affect him a lot. You lose Spillane, and, and Kelly was a young guy last year, still put up 51 points last year. So that was huge. But I think that the added reps that they're going to get without Spillane, who was an offensive uh, threat as well, I think Folds and Kelly are going to eat most of that production. And you're going to see – Ideally, both of them get somewhere. You know, probably both of them will have the ability to improve upon their point to point totals anywhere from five points to ten points. For Folds, he's already at fifty-five. I don't know how many more looks you end up getting, but I would I would say he should be able to repeat that fifty-five to sixty point, uh, fifty-five plus point performance, and I think he'll get sixty plus. And then Kelly, he should crest fifty-five to sixty points as well, assuming both of them stay healthy. But they are going to have to to stay healthy. And they're going to have to step up big time and just improve um, their offensive presence and their their leadership uh, capabilities a little bit. But both of them are completely up to the task. Folds is incredible. Kelly's incredible. So all good things there. Penn State, offensively, they are not going to skip a beat. The one thing that I was surprised about, because I wasn't fully aware of this, Penn State, they lost a lot on the defensive side of the ball. And that's going to make it all the more important for Colby Kinnise to have a, a, a big season. I expected Colby Kinnise, I think I picked him as my preseason goalie of the year, and I ended up giving it to Stover, who was deserving at Loyola. But uh, Colby Kinnise, he's an incredible goalkeeper, and I think he, for him, I dare say he'd almost tell you he had a down season last year. I expected him to be a little bit more solid, especially because the defense that he had in front of them was really solid. So I'm not sure if pace of play 
plays into that a little bit. A little bit. You see that in football, where teams that have an, in, a, a huge pace of play end up struggling a little bit more defensively, at least with the numbers. So I'm not sure if that played. Uh, maybe it's just a sophomore slump. But I think Canise is going to have to step up big because you lose Chris Sabia and two or three other polls. I want to say they lose two of their three starting close D. Uh, don't quote me on that, but you know, Sabia, losing Sabia by itself is going to leave a big hole, but uh, they definitely graduated in a lot of polls, so I think Kobe Canise and just the rest of that defense is going to have to gel and step up and play tough. And that is pretty much this episode. The idea here moving forward is that we're just going to start getting more into the long-form content. We're having uh, issues with... Um, content creator, well, not even content creators, but copyright holders of the highlight videos um, starting to flag, not flag or copyright strike our videos, but they're starting to claim our videos and they're even starting to claim fucking podcasts, which is ridiculous because if I show highlights in this podcast, it is 100% fair use and we are 100% allowed to do it, especially if we had a lawyer to back us. But the problem being the last two podcasts we did, the Virginia and the Syracuse uh, previews, the 2020 previews, both of them claimed by the copyright holder. We disputed both of them and we lost. So we could dispute it further, but we would risk a copyright strike if YouTube decided not to side with us, which I think they would, but it's just not worth it uh, for us. So we're going to let them claim them. And what's going to be important moving forward for us is how we monetize these videos beyond YouTube. So as I'm always going to say at the end of these videos moving forward, if you want to support us, go to laxfactor.com forward slash support and it will give you options for supporting us ranging from just a $1, $5 donation uh, all the way up to buying just buying gear. You can buy t-shirts and shorts and that all of that helps us out. We're also going to look into doing a a subscription service. And by subscription service, I mean dirt cheap, like $5 a year, $10 a year, or if you buy a specific pair of shorts or a t-shirt that would include a subscription, a year-long subscription to a service, which would, uh, what we're thinking we'll do, and you guys give us some ideas and let us know in the comments what you would like to see if we did do a subscription service, but the idea initially being uh, we will give you access to all of our long-form podcasts, shows like these, we'll give you access to them uh, at least 24 hours, the audio version, at least 24 hours in, in advance, meaning we'll record it, we'll clean the audio, and we will throw it up for subscribers to uh, review right away and listen to right away. And then we're going to play with uh, giving you 12 to 24 hours uh, early video access as well. And then we'll probably do private uh, Q&As. Or maybe we'll just let you field questions. I don't know. What do you think? If we were to offer a 5 to $10 per year subscription service where we're going to give those supporters a little bit of content that other people don't get, what would you like to see? Uh, do you want to just ping us with questions? Um, do you want us to maybe see have, have callers, let, let, people, let subscribers uh, call in and ask questions and things of that sort, or at least do like some kind of video question? Any ideas you have for how we can monetize this channel that you, all of you supporters, would be down with? Um, I'm all, all ears for the most part. And then another thing that we wanted to try to do, and I, we haven't put the call out hard for this, but are you interested in creating content? Do you want to start submitting videos where maybe you're just talking about your favorite team? Maybe you're talking about your travel team, anything. Is there anybody else out there that wants to get behind a camera and, and put content out and we can help produce that content? We'll lend you the channel to put your content up and we will uh, share any revenue that's derived from said content, at least in, in the form of the, the YouTube ads and the YouTube revenue that we get from it. So if you're somebody who wants to put your beautiful mug on camera, because Lord knows I do not have a beautiful mug, but I'm putting it on camera for you anyway. If you're 
of the mind that you think you could do this or you want to do this, I am all for it as well. Just start sending us videos. Hit, hit me up on Facebook. It's uh, facebook.com forward slash laxfactor or on Twitter. Our handle is just at laxfactor, twitter.com forward slash laxfactor. Hit us up. Send us a video. Two-minute clip, 10-minute rambling. What do you think about the new dive rule? All of that stuff. I'm going to talk about that in the next podcast, actually, because they did actually implement my exact uh, proposal for trying to improve that dive rule and making it easier for officials. So I digress. I'm done. That is it. If you want to support us, go to laxfactor.com forward slash support. And moving forward here, we're going to do at least one long form podcast a week, if not two. And uh, anything you want to see us cover, any format ideas you have, if you want to contribute, you want to uh, send us videos and get clips put on the podcast. You just a fan that wants to give us a shout out. We'll put you on here. Go to our Facebook or our Twitter accounts and send us those videos and we'll throw crap up. But as always, thank you for watching and I will see you next week, maybe even in just a couple of days. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye.